Hello, and welcome to Plastics News Radio. This episode is one of a series we recorded on location from the negotiations for a global plastics treaty in Paris. I'm Steve Tolikin, your host and a journalist at Plastics News. We went to the talks because this treaty could have a big impact on how we manufacture plastics, how we use it, and how we deal with its pollution. Over the next 18 months, diplomats from more than 150 countries will try to reach an agreement. In Paris, I talked to both industry and environmental groups about what they want. In this episode, we hear from Willemaine Peters, head of the consultancy Serious Business. She says the treaty needs to push the world away from virgin plastic and into what she calls real recycling and other packaging models like reuse and refill. Okay, we're here with Willamaine Peters, who is the founder of Serious Business, an environmentally oriented consulting firm uh, that helps major brands with their plastics use. Um, she also advises both the United Nations Environment Program on Plastics, and she advises the Business Coalition for a Global Plastics Treaty. Uh, Willamaine, thank you for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Um, let's start with, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Serious Business and talk about your goals for this session here in Paris. Um, we're talking here on the first day where 170 countries are gathered with about 1,500 uh, observers like yourself. So what are the goals for Serious Business here and then tell us a little bit about the group. Okay, so I think the goals for Serious Business is really to advance into a circular use of plastic. That means moving away from virgin plastics more into reuse, and more into real recycling of plastics. Having said that, the purpose of this uh, negotiation round is much more about procedurals. So our objective is to get delegations ready and more knowledgeable on the topic of the draft text that will probably be coming out of this. So there's going to be a draft text uh, that needs to be agreed upon. So there's going to be negotiations going on between this one and the next meeting. And I want to make sure that countries do understand the topics a bit better and what can already be done. Okay, um, before we talk about what you see countries needed to do to understand the topics better, can you just tell us a little bit about Serious Business? Sure, so Serious Business helps major brands to make their plastic use more sustainable. Uh, that means that, for instance, in packaging, we help the companies to make a comparison between the different materials needed, if that could be a reusable, for instance, or if it could be a single use, but then what kind of uh, material should be and then also how to make sure that it stays in the economy and outside of the environment. And that's how we typically advise, but also support the implementation of specific schemes. Okay, you said a minute ago, uh, you see you want to help inform countries about the issues. What are the key things that you feel they need to be informed about? Yeah, what I see is that some countries are, some companies actually are quite front running, uh, but they need a level playing field, so they need to have the right um, extended producer responsibility scheme in, they need the deposit return schemes, they need um, some kind of infrastructure and a standardized and harmonized approach, ideally across countries, otherwise it's really not doable, especially for the multinational companies. And that's what we try to uh, have also through this treaty. Uh, and uh, in order to do so, countries need, need to understand that businesses also call for strict regulations so the playing field is clear and that they can have a business within a certain boundaries, making sure that plastics don't leak into the environment. And that's, yeah, I think in order to do so, uh, countries need to understand what's needed from the business side uh, to, make it, uh, to make it work. 
Uh, you've made a couple of points in some of your writings about uh, the Global Treaty. Uh, you've talked about the importance of reduction and how re we can't really recycle our way out of this problem. Um, and you've also talked about how uh, we need to reduce use of virgin fossil plastics to stay within that 1.5 degrees Celsius warming target for, for the Global Warming Treaty. Uh, and you've also talked about the need to prioritize the elimination of problematic plastics. Uh, can you talk about both of those elements? Sure. So indeed, I think there's a big um, challenge ahead of us. Actually, it's more like a crisis because, as we've seen, uh, the plastics industry has not been controlling the use of plastic in such a way that it's not leaking. Uh, so now it's up to countries to have stricter regulations, but also clear measures in place to make sure that the plastics don't just end up in our environment. Doing so, um, uh, you can only talk about um, some kind of management of plastic if you know how much is with the Earth's population growing uh, and the consumption patterns also are growing. Uh, it, it, it's it really is essential that we look about the, at the way we use materials, especially plastics. Plastics are typically used only once, have a life, very short lifespan, uh, and having that uncontrolled is something nobody wants. So uh, I would say that needs to be a cap on virgin plastic production. Uh, having had said that, that means that we uh, have, that is a big implication because it needs to change our consumption and production patterns. and. Uh, I think that's still a big challenge, at least for the uh, producers of virgin plastics, to make that shift. However, we do see that other players within uh, the plastics industry and using plastics, they are ready for that change and they're really um, uh, also investing in innovative techniques. So that means that you're moving away from virgin plastics, looking at other sources, other materials, uh, but also switching much more into reuse. And having said that, of course, we have to look at what kind of plastics do we still allow on the market. If we're looking at standardization and at harmonization, uh, that means that we can only do so if there's not a wide set of different plastics used and uh, not a combination of all of them together, so mixing them up. Also, certain applications should actually be banned because they're nonsense and it will just end up in the environment. So have making that easier and simpler will definitely help in a standardized uh, approach. Can you be a little bit more specific about what sort of problematic plastics you would talk about eliminating or phasing out? Yeah, there are certainly uh, certain chemicals of high concern, as they call substances of high concern. So there's a PFAS, uh, there are high pollutants that are already in our blood, they're in our uh, air, they're in our water, and they're highly toxic. And especially those we need to um, <laughs> ban or phase out as, uh, as soon as possible. Um, I think that we have also seen good results in this in the Mercury uh, um, agreement that was agreed to in Montreal. Uh, lots of uh, countries have actually uh, reduced the amount of mercury uh, up to, to, to zero and some are almost there. So I think I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't compare all plastics with mercury, but of course it's a material used in many different applications. So that's really hard to just say, okay, one, fit, uh, one size fits all. We need to reduce the amount of um, highly toxic uh, plastics and chemicals, and uh, we need to make sure that we're moving away from virgin plastics. So uh, having a cap will definitely uh, make it tangible and uh, measurable. You mentioned a, yeah, a cap on virgin production. Um, do you see that being something that is uh, politically possible for the treaty? Uh, it seems like uh, there's a number of countries that have reservations about that or haven't signed on to that idea. Obviously, the business coalition you advise signs on to that idea. The high ambition coalition of countries in the treaty, about 55 of them, have endorsed that concept. Uh, 
but do you see that as something that is politically possible in the negotiations? I would say I'm optimistic um, because we see that not doing anything will just create a lot more costs eventually for society. I do see that some countries are not there yet. So there's lots of work to be done both for the high ambition coalition from, for countries and for the business coalition for highly ambitious companies. And I think it's great that they have already stated their ambitions and saying there needs to be a cap on virgin plastic production uh, and showing the way how to do it. And that will enable others to also get on board and understand that reasoning and making sure that um, also countries understand that they're not just killing an industry in that way, no, they're actually giving space to a new way of business where there's lots more green jobs uh, being created and uh, also growth coming from that. Um, the plastics industry has, makes a number of arguments uh, against a production cap. Um, some of them being, for example, that you would be uh, concentrating production in countries that currently uh, have lower environmental standards, let's say the United States or Europe, uh, that you would be pushing materials use into alternatives that may have a higher greenhouse gas impact than plastics. I mean, that's a common argument or common concern you hear from plastics, plastics companies is that, uh, and this I think gets into your point about, uh, you were arguing for reducing plastics use to stay within the 1.5 Celsius global warming targets. Uh, you know, the plastics industry will argue that plastics use has a lower greenhouse gas impact than a number of alternatives particularly around single-use plastics, and that we need plastics for electric vehicle transition, we need plastics for solar power, things like plastic pipe will help the UN meet its sustainable development goals for, let's say, clean drinking water. Um, so those are some, you know, as someone who is, uh, follows this topic very closely, what do you think of those concerns? I would say these are rhetorics from 10 years ago. Um, really not asking for a cap on plastic production, asking for a cap on virgin plastic production. There's lots of ways to move away from virgin plastics, not just through recycled content, uh, but also having CO2 as an input. There's lots of innovative technologies that simply now don't make it because virgin plastic is heavily subsidized, it's too cheap to be able to compete with uh, all the others. Uh, so then, then uh, there's no level playing field there. Besides, I think that uh, if you're having the argument that if you don't do it, others will make a mess because they're based in different countries, I don't think it's a very strong argument. I think you need to be s seeing that the profits these companies make, the virgin plastic uh, producers make, uh, and the oil companies currently make, they're high enough to invest heavily in R&D, uh, and a lot more than they're doing now. So I think the means are available, uh, and I'd rather have them invest in, in technologies for the future instead of having to pay all these um, lawsuits that they're now against. <laughs> so I think the, the, the costs of changing now are a lot more uh, opportunistic uh, and there are a lot more, more opportunities there than, than, they may, than some of them may see. So if I'm hearing you, you're saying the problem is virgin fossil-based plastic as much as anything else. If you can have much more recycled plastic, would you consider bioplastics? Uh, I think, but not just, if we're just having a conversation about CO2, I think we're just losing a lot of arguments also in terms of other aspects of environmental impact. I mean, there's a biodiversity crisis going on. Uh, I'm not saying that we should um, replace uh, plastics by uh, single-use uh, uh, paper, for instance, not at all, because we'll have the double-door deforestation <laughs> issue. There's life cycle assessments in order to make a good comparison, and just replacing virgin plastics with bioplastics is not going to cut it. And that's why we say we need to have a cap 
on the virgin plastic production side and also making sure that we can uh, move away from, from the current way of producing and production. I think that's the most essential. There's lots of movement going on in the terms of degrowth, so making sure that the growth in the population is going to be decoupled with the growth in consumption. And this is something that some companies still need to embrace and integrate in their business models. I really like the speech from uh, Macron this morning at the opening of uh, this conference, where he also acknowledges the same and stating that consumption and production patterns need to change. And it's easier said than done, but I think time has shown again, time and again, that um, the front runners in the circular economy, as you say, they will actually reap the benefits and there's a lot more potential in, in, in green growth than in the old-fashioned fossil fuel industry. Okay. Um, you've written about some of the challenges as well to what we might call the green growth of plastics recycling. Um, you uh, attended the Plastics Recycling Europe trade show in early May, and full disclosure, that is a that trade show is uh, organized by the company that owns Plastics News, but coming out of that event, you wrote about um, some topics regarding recycled plastic that need more scrutiny or attention. You talked about the health implications of recycled plastics and chemical additives. You talked about, and you talked about the amount of recycled content being used right now is, uh, quote, still marginal. Um, can you expand a bit on those points or the economic challenges that plastic recycling faces? Uh, of course, I think there's a lot more challenges in collection than we currently see. Um, if we're looking at the current waste management uh, infrastructure, then the collection is often lacking. Uh, the sorting is uh, done randomly once it's uh, being done uh, all in one sorting center and the other one's doing much more at source. We see actually if you're looking at health implications, if you're having as much closed loop systems as possible, the amount of contamination goes down. So it's much healthier and safer to use recycled content. Um, I think that's a growing concern. Scientists have in, yeah, increasingly showing results that plastics and chemicals are ending up in our bodies and having direct implications on entire ecosystems. So we need to be very prudent with that, if you ask me. At the same time, if we're looking at the recycling industry and those that I have um, invested heavily to produce recycled content at scale, all of their worries are that nobody is buying the recycled content. So I'm very happy with more and more companies adopting uh, global design rules or uh, making sure that their packaging, for instance, is recyclable, but not buying recycled content then just makes it a farce because you can only uh, have a circular economy if you're also recycling uh, your content and then using that recycled content again, so making sure that that's a closed loop. And uh, I think that is the key to having, uh, having this system run. Okay, well, thank you, Willemaine, very much for joining us. I have one uh, final question. Um, we're obviously here at the negotiating session for the Global Plastics Treaty. Um, you've written, for example, that we should uh, make it more expensive to use single-use virgin resources. Um, I want to ask you, do you think we're putting too much attention on single-use plastics? Should a treaty discussion like this look at all single-use materials? I think plastics is a really good way to start tackling the issue of single-use materials, especially single-use disposable materials. I think having a, a 3D dedicated to plastics is a really good sign because then at least you're focusing. If you're looking at the application range of plastics, it's so diverse. You have fishing gear, you have packaging, you have textiles, paints, tires, it, it, medical devices, it's in almost everything. I think if we can put this right, um, it's a really good blueprint for all other materials. 
if we're going to dilute it with having a discussion on all materials, we might not have <laughs> we not, might not have a treaty at the end of next year, which is already quite ambitious. I think having this treaty now on plastics is good. I just want to highlight that we shouldn't just move away from plastic and then moving into materials that have an even higher environmental impact. So making sure that we don't cause one other catastrophic uh, <laughs> crisis with the other. So I'm uh, happy to see if we can use these efforts in plastics to also tackle consumption production patterns with uh, other materials. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This has been a Plastics News production. For more on the Global Plastics Treaty and other stories on plastics public policy matters, visit us at plasticsnews.com. And thanks for listening.